you know, it was about six months into it when I think it was my um, second daughter, she referred to Panna as a third person. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, we're onto a brand here. Yeah. So that, 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 We've made it. That's right. <laughs> to me, it's not about just producing a product. It was the whole idea behind it and the ethos behind it was to create an experience. You know, from the moment you touch our packaging, I want it to feel that you're filling into something, whether it's organic and it's earthy and it's, it's some consideration in it. It's not just a product that's just been cookie-cuttered and all the rest of it. It's, you know, you, you do lose your way sometimes when in your small business because mm-hmm. you're, you're wearing so many hats. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Today's guest is a beloved household name, although you're likely to know the brand more than you do the person, which is why I'm even more excited to share his amazing story. Despite what might be the busiest time of year for him in the lead up to Easter, Panna Barbunas made time to share the story of founding the eponymous Panna Chocolate, now rebranded as Panna Organic, and growing it from a solo operation with him delivering on his Vespa to the multi-million dollar business it is today, sold in 25 countries around the world. I've had the absolute pleasure of spending time with Panna in his Richmond headquarters several times over the course of our business journeys in the wellness industry, and the smells from the kitchen are unrivaled, as is his cheer and energy. Panna's trailblazing, rich and luxurious chocolate is unmistakable, and while it is free from dairy, gluten, refined sugar and soy, it is celebrated by health nuts and average Joes alike, the flavour belying its healthful and sustainable origins. While most of you will have heard of the brand that has a following of hundreds of thousands of loyal fans all over the world, Panna is perhaps less known in his own right, so I loved hearing more about who he is, especially when he isn't being the king of chocolate. You'll have to excuse a few sounds from the bustling streets of Richmond in the background. Guess it all adds to the ambience. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast and for having me in this beautiful office, which was the store on Church Street. Yes. It is now just the office and the test kitchen. I love to start with asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them. And I think Panna is, you know, one of our most beloved Australian household names and becoming an international household name. So there's a lot of the external, you know, we see a lot of Panna and the glossy, beautiful chocolate land that is now Panna Organic. But to break through that glossy surface that social media can sometimes create what's something relatable about you something super down to earth about who you are when you're not being the incredible founder of a huge multinational business well hello sarah it's amazing to reconnect and uh, thank you yes this was our retail store it was actually our our second production facility as well where we quickly outgrew that and still in richmond but we had to move to the back different stages of our lives uh, we find ourselves gravitating to different areas but uh, I suppose uh, two Sundays ago I um, by default ended up um, having to cancel uh, plans that we had and I, I cooked breakfast my my three little ones and uh, I made them their favorite breakfast and I served them across the uh, the breakfast bar and just to see their banter and everything to me there is no bigger wealth in the world than and, and, and more rewarding and more grounding than to, to see your own little kids just having a laugh, having conversation amongst themselves, a little bit of banter, a bit of cheekiness, <laughs> and I don't know where they get that from, but uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty epic. And uh, I, I suppose, you know, and I love, I love cooking. Um, I've had a great relationship with food all my life. I want to continue that journey for my kids. And yeah, it was nothing more grounding, rewarding and yeah, beautiful than that Sunday morning just cooking breakfast with the kids. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, it's yeah. funny, we see you as such a businessman, but you forget, of course, you're a father behind the scenes, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the first thing, I, especially when I travel, I haven't traveled as much uh, last year or this year, um, but previously when I used to travel a lot more, I'd come after you know, a 24-hour flight and uh, have a couple of days off, but I'll spend those two days cooking. 
<laughs> it would just ground me. It would just, it's just rewarding. Yeah. I love providing that. Um, you know, my whole life, we, we didn't have a lot of money. Mum and dad were, were, were Greek migrants and they were, you know, in the, in the workforce, but sort of labourers and, and, and very, you know, not, not big incomes, I suppose, and is what I'm getting at. But um, what they did offer us is, is uh, lots of love with food and expression um, and social. So that's the extension of who I am today, mm. uh, I believe, and uh, love that journey and love to continue it. Oh, well, that is the perfect segue into our first section, which is called Way to Yay. Yeah. And that's basically how you got to, obviously, now living a life full of yay. Yeah. I love the backstory of how you got there. And I'm talking all the way back at the beginning because I think often when you're an adult, you look back at who you were as a child and that's so instructive about who you were eventually yeah. going to become. So tell us about your upbringing with your migrant Greek parents yeah. and young Panagiotis. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah, but more with a, I spell with a Y. Oh. Some people do spell with a G, but... Uh, oh, Panayotis. Yeah. Panayotis, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, so young Panayotis. <laughs> Were you cool at school? Oh, Where did you grow up? Was I cool at school? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> now you're making me think that's a long, long time yeah. ago. <laughs> did you have an awkward teenage phase? Yeah. No. Oh, look, it's interesting. I mean, you know, upon reflection, you, you don't realise potentially in your 20s sometimes that your actions are totally related to, 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 your, to your youth days. Who was I as a kid? Uh, I was a kid. Look, uh, it's funny because you never really understand who you are, uh, but high school mates call it as it is. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we're going to love them for that. And um, it wasn't until a reunion where, where I got some, some comments back from some colleagues and uh, they shared what, what I thought, which I, I thought I was the actually the complete opposite. I thought I was quiet, but apparently I was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was a bit humble, but you know, um, no, look, who was I? Look, I? I grew up with migrant parents and, you know, we didn't have a, a network of friends outside of the immediate family, but we had a huge immediate family. I think I got like 36 first cousins. There was never, <laughs> never ever a weekend where, where we were alone. So we always had someone over. So there was always laughter and fun and excitement and food. Oh, the food was like, you know, mum's program to really just, just make the most amazing food with love and, 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 and putting all the right intentions in our, in our food. And, and that's what it was all about. And dad always, you know, he's look over his, 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 into his garden and it was just always green. There was always something growing and he, and he was proud and he'd always have his little coffee cup there and he'd be just almost talking to the plants every morning. That was before he even said good morning to us, he'd be outside <laughs> his garden. So, so, you know, really, you know, earthiness and, and connection and and that's what I grew up with. So for me, it was, it was very simple, but it was so rewarding. And upon reflection, I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. It's so nourishing. And um, though I you know, went through my young adult life not really reflecting or understanding what that actually had done to me, in a positive way, of course, that uh, the appreciation really started kicking into my 30s for that lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle that now I, I live by um, mm. and uh, you know, wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. So... You did obviously end up being a spectacular businessman that you are today. <laughs> and I read that you had always thought, I think because of your background, that you had always thought being self-employed would be more prosperous for you. Yeah. So did you always think as a child that you'd go into business or did you study first and then, you know, you went into hospitality yeah. and you, I think you had your first business at 21. Yeah. Did you always think that that's where you'd go? It's very interesting that I knew that I wanted to be self-employed. I think I started going when all my friends were going out on a, on a Saturday and a Sunday. I remember going to the Franchise Expo when I was 17 on, on a Sunday. And I think I even recall speaking to um, the original guys that were bringing Subway across and I was trying to negotiate and talk to them. So it stems <laughs> back a long time ago. That's 25, maybe even longer years ago. So I think I read something that at 18, you went into management with the US manager of Sizzler. Sizzler and, and Jardines, <laughs> yeah, the Hong Kong-based company Jardines that owned, uh, you know, the, the rights to Pizza Hut and, and Sizzler. And um, I went into management with them and it was it was fantastic. The systems that they taught me back then are still, still relevant today to an extent, but always knew that I wanted to go out on my own. So um, upon some further work, I discovered that I made the decision to work for myself between the age of five and eight, which is crazy to think wow. about that. But it must, something must have triggered me. Um, Sorry, excuse the fire engine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Potentially because, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, I must have either come across someone that was self-employed and thinking that they've made more money and that's the path. And 
growing up my teenager, I always knew that I wanted to become self-employed. The, I looked at many, many businesses at 16 and 17 years old. It's, I'd pick it's up the so paper and, and look at cafes and nurseries and all sorts of different businesses and just trying to understand uh, how they'd work. And even when I worked for Jardines, I was more interested in, in the P&Ls and how they look like and you know what makes a business tick over um, rather than anything else. That yeah, is yeah. so cool that it starts so young. So you didn't end up studying? You just went straight into business? Oh, I just did a hospitality course, yep. vocational studies, uh, which was lots of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and bar studies was a great class. <laughs> Not anymore. Brush up on that every yeah, now and yeah, then. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we are just sipping on some kombucha that tastes remarkably more like alcohol yeah, than it does yeah. like anything else. <laughs> yeah. Secret recipe, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so you started your own place at 21. 21. Was that a restaurant or a cafe? Or mm. tell us about the first business. And it's then... funny. It's it's the opposite to veganism right now. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> it was far. It was it was it was takeaway fast food um it was just just making a a step into becoming self-employed so um yeah it was uh it was in the food continuing that journey and uh it was a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) don't eat that food anymore but (laughs) so what was what was that like i know you went vegetarian and then vegan but in a greek family i mean how did that go down and and what inspired you particularly starting in hospitality in the opposite of vegan kind of venues what sparked that change and and how long ago was that it it was look it it, what sparked it it it, look it really was um it's been the whole life really it was appreciation of food so it started from that point and then late 20s i was really into my slow food movement so really appreciating what i ate and where it came from Mm -hmm. so yes it involves some meat but if i cooked some meat it would be a process of cooking in a wood-fired oven at home um, not every day. It would be more of a ceremony or, or an appreciation of it, uh, and more of an expression. And it would be, you know, if, for example, if we were cooking a chicken, it would cook it for two to three hours. It yeah. Really infusing all the flavors together, putting the love in it, you know, getting all the neighbors in uproar because they all wanted to come over because they could <laughs> smell the, the, the beautiful fumes. So it was that, that progress, that natural evolution into the appreciation of food. Um, and then as time goes on, I just, there was just an, in intuition, it was just a feeling that I always go down that path. And it wasn't until uh, I was actually in the US and one day I got back to the, to the hotel room and I, and I watched Earthlings and that was the, the turning point where yeah. that's it. I think I started crying and then started <laughs> texting everyone from the US. I said, that's it. I'm not eating meat anymore. And then um, a, few week, a, few, a couple of months later, I was doing some personal work on myself and uh, a message came through that I uh, should go vegan. And uh, so in May, vegetarian, August, uh, a message came through that I should go vegan for at least six weeks. But that's it. I've been vegan ever since. Ever since. And it's seven years this year. Wow. So in August this year, I'll be seven years vegan, which is great. And it's great to be able to go to cafes now and no longer order a <laughs> side of mushrooms with some avocado and spinach. Most great cafes these days have uh, menu items that are vegan so that that really helps that's great yes and see that that whole movement and evolution and even you know whether it's you know the availability of foods whether it's in the in the in the health and organic sector or even in the majors the 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 availability of products in that vegan space is fantastic yeah but i can imagine seven years ago it would (laughs) have been vegan now yeah really difficult and so back then you had a couple of businesses and ventures before you started pana yes what what led you into those and and them not being necessarily vegan or vegetarian yeah. how did that all work out for you and and what drove you to open and change each one and yeah <laughs> look um upon reflection now you can, you can sort of piece some of the things together i mean there was a lot of drive um in my early 20s just to make money yeah <laughs> not really for self-fulfillment <laughs> it's a very early 20s mid-20s yeah, thing yeah, to do <laughs> you know, just, you know, make as much money spend as much money enjoy 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 as much as you can um Look, there, there was always that, that, that passion to do something different. I mean, um, at one point I had a catering business and, you know, we started servicing some, some big uh, customers like Melbourne Airport and all the rest of it. So there was always that innovation. I think one of the, f- one of the first in Victoria to put, you know, something as basic as now it's, it's common and it's, it's, it's law. But, you know, we were one of the first to put nutritional panels on, on some of our food. Mm. So there was always that push to be ahead of the game, but not really, you know, necessarily always fulfilling my passions or, or, or the soul. Um, so it was great. I, I got a lot of reward and a lot of learnings. And I suppose it all was part of the moment or all fitted in part of the pieces of where we are today, yeah. um, which helped me really launch um, Panat- Panat- uh, Chocolate back then, now Panat Organic. But it was really important that taking all that experience and understanding how we wanted to 
play in the market and what served me, what didn't serve me and really overlaying it to today. Yeah. yeah Did so. you find it difficult dealing in food businesses and hospitality businesses that weren't vegan at the time when you'd already made that change yourself? Um, no, 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 not really. Not really. Even, even with my kids, I, um, you know, we point them in a direction, but they can make up their own choices yeah. um, with, with path they want to take. My oldest daughter says to me, Daddy, I probably will never be a vegan. <laughs> Where my two younger ones uh, dabble in and out, and my I think my, my young boy just doesn't doesn't touch meat. Um, Already, wow. Yeah, just naturally, uh, he might have the occasional sausage, but you know I can, I don't want to enforce that. Yeah, but let them support make their them and, and um, yeah. So. And what does your mum cook for you? I oh, think of Greek food as so like, heavily meat-based. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. You know, at one point she goes, I don't know what to cook for your kids anymore. But uh, <laughs> look, she, she's so adaptable. I'm, I'm pretty blessed. I'm amazing parents. And, you know, she, she'll make her you know, traditional spanakopita and she'll still roll, roll out her own pastry. She'll either won't put cheese in it for me, which is fantastic, yeah. or she'll go and get some cashew cheese. So she's, she's adapted. So it's fantastic. Look, and, and surprisingly, the Greek cuisine, there's, it seems like there's a lot of lamb. <laughs> when you when you dig into it, you'll 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 find that there's a lot of dishes that are that are not uh, are vegan, are non meat based. And you know, when I speak to even Dad, he says, "I used to eat meat once a month if we were lucky." It's just they they came here and it was so available yeah. that they were able to change their way and their eating habits. And it's funny, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be travelling back to Greece on an annual basis. And uh, the first couple of years, I went down the the, the plant food died vegan i struggled to order at restaurants you know yeah. can i have you know i don't want cheese i don't want yeah. meat you know, they'd look at There's me and like, what's wrong with you what are you what are you doing it's like um and then and then I, and then i worked it out i worked it out what will we'll get them to understand me and it's like i'm fasting ah. very religious country tell them that i'm fasting i'll become their best friend yeah. and i'll just talk the whole menu through with me because <laughs> so, so i'm going to become a saint that's what i've yeah. been fasting for seven years <laughs> <laughs> well, you have almost single-handedly done a huge, huge amount to to change that environment and make it a lot easier for vegan, plant-based eating to become a little bit more mainstream, for people to be a bit more educated about it, and also for it to be accessible to people. Like vegan chocolate seven years yeah. ago, other than tasting like cardboard if it existed at all, <laughs> yeah. you know, was not even heard of. But you started Panna Chocolate in 2010, is that right? 2010, started playing with chocolate. 2012, uh, we launched the pan of chocolate and yeah. you were driving it around on your vespa yeah. <laughs> hand delivery yeah. so how did that idea start i know you've often taken a lot of your inspiration from things like going to the u.s and traveling yeah. uh you did chocolate training in the uk and in europe yeah. so what moved you to swap from you know catering and hospitality to a completely new area yeah. look it's funny i was talking to someone about this the other day it's it's i love the artisanal traits i really love the notion of cobblers or blacksmiths or you know and it's funny it was it was the way that the universe works in mysterious ways it was i remember which i've had the beautiful pleasure of meeting joanne collins the um the author of chocolat um oh wow so on 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 a thursday night i watched the movie chocolat i love that and then on sunday someone hands me a raw chocolate in my hands and, and i've grabbed it and you know when you feel something you think oh my good i can do something with this yeah this is it because I, I had sort of gone on this sabbatical, this two years of regression. I had some interest in, in cafes and was working with some culinary schools, uh, training in hospitality. But I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I, I looked at that and that's what drove me. That's what took me to the UK. And I went to the UK, spent a couple of hours with someone just picking their brain and, and sharing some knowledge. Um, and then went across to Belgium and trying to... I can really do this. And that's when I came back and locked myself away and developed the, the recipe. And yeah, and it was like, okay, i got to test this. And it was really based on essential oils. I was right down that wellness space, um, delivering, because I, I don't like driving around in cars. So <laughs> very European doing, of you. Yeah, very European. <laughs> very European, like the, the, the wind going through my hair. <laughs> you know, um, um, yeah, re really. Um, and and, and it, it's right. I, I came back and um, I started making the product and, and delivering it and got to about 22 customers where I couldn't make, wrap, deliver and manage the accounts before I brought on some distributors and or staff members. But yeah, and with some of those, uh, I think three or four of our original five are still with us, which is fantastic. Is it so is so exciting. Cool. It's a, you know, that, that's part of the journey. And I'd love to have a 100% success rate with that, but you know, 
things happen, but uh, that's still yeah, an, it an alarming array yeah, is, of retention. So, how did you get it going? Like, I know now it's not that it's easy, but yeah. I think that with the digital world and social media, it's it's a lot more accessible to be able to just start a business with an idea yeah. and then grow exponentially without a lot of capital but seven years ago eight years ago it wasn't as necessarily easy to do that and not having any background in chocolate how did you actually start to market it and get people to know about it it's an interesting question because you can separate it uh, in two ways and we we see it quite often that a lot of people have a lot of products Mm. do they necessarily turn them into a brand and we see a lot of products come and go in the marketplace and over the seven or eight years I've seen that and you don't you know, necessarily want to put any intention out there for anybody else but you can just generally say okay that's going to be around for X amount of time. What we were fortunate to do we were ahead of our time um, in the space we were playing in, in, in a veganism but it wasn't necessarily all the driver it was just we were dairy free which is great it was organic as well yeah it was uh, refined sugar free gluten-free so we, we ticked a number of different boxes but what really drove us was uh, the social media space was one attribute to it we, we did a retail a couple of retail stores which we no longer have now but that enable us to to capture publicity out of um, but really going into you know a space of health and organic stores and some independent stores they were big ambassadors of the brand. Mm. Um, they really supported us. Um, and forever grateful that they've done that. And we'd love to continue the journey with them. And, and we are um, moving into um, some, some bigger spaces now, the majors, as, as the company has evolved, but really just trying to play across all channels and um, really continue that growth and, and evolving all the time. It's, it's, it's funny, cause, you know, it's, it's such a big question because <laughs> yeah. where it was eight years ago to where it is today, it's just different steps and different, different processes. But uh, yeah, amazing journey. Well, I think that's kind of one of the things I love to share on this show is that no matter what your business looks like now and what whatever it looked like when it started, there's always going to be so many iterations along the way for different times, for different environments. The world yeah. is changing so fast. Okay. You can't expect to go into something these days and for it to stay the same and for you to be able to you know, yeah. rest on your laurels. It yeah. just doesn't happen that way, which means you're reinventing yourself all the time. And it's always interesting to hear how people do that and where they get their inspiration and, and you know, in a time without social media, how did you do it? And then now there is social media, you probably don't yeah. need to rely as heavily on retail. And the business has changed, even changed names now. It started yeah. as Panna Chocolate. You've recently changed to Panna Organic, which is obviously opening up yeah. for a lot more product development. But now you've gone from how many people did you have at the beginning? Was it just you? <laughs> yeah, definitely just, just myself. I mean. <laughs> And now um, you have 60 full-time We're about 60. We, we, got, we were a little bit higher. We've, we've done a number of, um, I suppose, reassessing, reinventing, as, as you touched on it earlier. Um, for us, it was like, okay, where are we going and, and who are we and what do we represent? And, you know, you, you mentioned something earlier on with becoming a household brand and how do we become that? And we talk about social media, but is that the only avenue to become a household brand, mm. to, to have a product in everyone's pantry? Is that the only method of marketing and from our position we 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 took stake and all that we reviewed all that had some great internal um heavy workshops (laughs) and and looked at where we were going and and made some some business decisions and and now we social media isn't our only platform of of advertising we've got a massive billboard campaign at the moment um we did a tv ad a couple of years ago there's some mixed results um but again we just just it's always hard to measure but um really just playing that but also then where are we as a brand and who do we represent and you know we had pan of chocolate and i had some uh, i had a shares in an ice cream company and i thought okay how can this really work and and really make Panna a truly uh, household brand and have a product in everyone's pantry and that's when we brought um, you know zebra brand into the Panna family reformulated some of the the original recipes and and went down the path of servicing uh, the majors to make the product a lot more accessible um, and then reviewing it, it's okay what other gaps are there in the market what other spaces can we play in and that's where it really gets exciting and really innovation kicks in is with what we've got coming um, and we've seen, you know, some of the, the, the major players out in the, in, in, the, in the marketplace, even with, um, you know, Streets Ice Creams, you know, launching a dairy-free um, ice cream. And, and uh, yeah, it's some really great results. And, um, you know, but how can we do it? And 
being innovative and true to our brand, but in that organic, dairy-free, refined, sugar-free space. Yeah. Yeah, which is really exciting because we've got so lots going exciting. on. And, you know, <laughs> with, with a restructure, something that we didn't have, and um, you know, now we've got an MPD team. So that's all they work on, just making new products. So that's meeting, new product meeting, development, yeah. guys, by the way. <laughs> new product development, MPD. I'm eating more chocolate and ice cream than ever. So. <laughs> Well, it's doing well for you. <laughs> so in that scale-up process, you literally went from you delivering on a Vespa yep. to being sold in 25 countries around the world yes. now. I think you take over 10 million a year. You're in the majors yeah, yeah. and have, you know, gone through a merger. What did you expect when you started? Did you ever envision or hope that it would get this big or yeah. have you just kind of gone with it yeah, as yeah. it's happened? It's funny. Global was the intention. But also part-time was the start. So because <laughs> uh, I had other business interests, I thought, oh, let's just fill up some time and have some fun. You know, it, w- it was about six months into it when well, I think it was my um, second daughter, she referred to Panna as a third person. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, we're off to a brand yeah. here. So that, 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 We've made it. <laughs> that's right. Um, and that's when I started. It, it really it was, it was funny because, you know, when you look at these epiphanies or these little highlight moments and that stands out to me because that's when I really said okay I better take this serious and I have an opportunity here and, and I took that approach from that though the intention was always there it was just, just needed something to consolidate it and then and that was that just it's more common um <laughs> it really, really tipped you over it did it did absolutely yeah. and um and then you know then all sorts of stuff come out personally you know believing in myself and you know from I think we're at our third location but really just backing myself that this is going to become something and getting the right facility you know yeah, we're in a great space here in Richmond Melbourne inner city not the necessarily best business decision (laughs) (laughs) real estate is really expensive love working here oh my god St Kilda's even worse (laughs) from a production not the smartest business decision but you know it's good fun and in that process you know I can imagine there was so many growth pains along the way it's been extraordinarily fast getting the numbers and then going you know overseas you've done the UK and now the yeah. US and keeping that the brand values that you started with that community feeling yeah. you know the bars are handmade they're hand wrapped the product itself obviously there's a lot of brand building you need to do but still the product is the core of all that yeah. so how have you navigated that challenge of keeping everything feeling yeah, yeah. smaller than it is, you know, yeah. and still keeping that artisanal yeah. feel. Yeah. Look, I mean, to me, it's not about just producing a product. It was the whole idea behind it and the ethos behind it was to create an experience. Mm. So um, we would need to retain that, you know, from the moment you touch our packaging, I want it to feel that you're feeling into something, whether it's organic and it's earthy and it's, it's some consideration in it. It's not just a product that's just been cookie cutter and all the rest of it it's just really uh, appreciation so that's the, that's where the um, the textual feel of the packaging comes into it you know even the the glues that we use yes we, we've automated just the packaging of the box mm. but that's edible gum that we use um, and then you, you know it continues part of the experience where you pull the package the, the chocolate out for expe- example and you can feel that a human has put the love in it and then you open it and hopefully you enjoy our chocolate I um, mean similar with the ice cream it's all about that experience we're trying our hardest to, re- to retain it as it is we've scaled up and taken on more space more space more space to, <laughs> to, to retain the, the whole um, handmade and you know that really authentic feel about our product inevitably who knows what's going to happen down the future we'll, we'll do our best to, to retain it that's why we've got so many locations yeah working progress this is a big question because again it's like my mind's darting to what the next phase is with the facility because we are looking at moving yeah and we do need need larger space you can see that the team are quite cramped in what they make <laughs> and they make thousands of bars um, i do need to clarify that we're not in the u.s yet we, we have a oh. couple of stores that were in the US. Yeah, okay. Um, but we haven't launched in the US. That's that's another project in itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the hardest things is pacing yourself through things like yeah. that. And I think one of the things I'm learning over time and watching businesses that I admire so much like you is that you started as Pan of Chocolate. You don't start with everything. You yeah. have to start focusing on one thing and doing it well and then growing and growing because you can overscale and that can kill you as well. Oh, absolutely, Grace. I mean, and look, we... You mentioned earlier that we're in 25 countries. There's probably 15 countries that we should never have gone into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was part of what I was. Part of it was the ego. Part it's of it exciting. was. It is. Yeah. It's that excitement and that momentum and like. But really, it's sometimes as quick as you can go in, as quick as you can come out. Yeah. Um, because if you don't underpin it with support, what's the point? Minimal budgets will get you only so far. Yeah. And then, you know, local 
producers will come into the marketplace mm. and you'll lose that space. So if there's ever a learning, it's just, you know, taking a couple more steps rather than sort of, you know, starting to run too fast. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so hard when your brain goes as fast. Oh, no. You know, with, <laughs> with the momentum that's, that's coming. Yeah, or, 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 or ego, you know. Like, yeah. oh, I, just, <laughs> no, I got into Bulgaria. Fantastic. <laughs> so now being such a big company how has your role evolved day to day like are you yeah. do you prefer to be really hands-on in all these strategic decisions yeah. or do you you know flavor development is that still something that you're really involved yeah, in or do yeah. you prefer to be more strategic yeah. or are you, are you still just kind uh, of the all-rounder it's, it's, it, it, it's so interesting because um i, I referenced uh, zach and i yesterday is sometimes you know, micromanagers, not not from our people, but from when the sign-off comes into it. So <laughs> whether it's a packaging design or whether it's a flavor profile, because, you know we, we know, we wear our heart on our sleeve with what we've created and we're so passionate behind it and we want that experience to continue. It's it's hard to let go of that <laughs> decision-making. Look, we've got, I've gone through a number of different stages where, you know, at one point I even had a general manager um, and I've restructured recently where I'm a lot more hands-on mm. because I've been able to reinvent myself and I've found that passion whereas at one stage I needed to regress assess and okay let's get back into it now because of this clarity there it you know you you do lose your way sometimes when you're a small business Mm because you're doing you're wearing so many hats totally from one day you know signing off on decision making and then you know challenging being challenged by the local council because you know one of your you know machines is too noisy for the neighbors or whatever it might be you know like it smells like chocolate damn it we're doing the community a favor (laughs) absolutely right so but you know right now where we stand i think the team that we have on board and look we're only any brand or any product you're only as good as your team and uh Mm. we've got some amazing leaders within the business now and some really more specific um, experience you know again learning within the business is that you know you want to take everyone on this journey with you and that's the intention but sometimes the skill set doesn't necessarily follow mm. and it'll come a time where i'm no longer my skill set as a ceo because i'm more self-taught might not be relevant and i'm i'm expecting that one day and that's okay um, but it's also internally sometimes you put team members um, in positions that they're not necessarily experienced enough or qualified enough and and, and you do would i do that again probably not but you know that's a learning that sometimes bringing in the the, the, the correct skill set on board is, uh, is is more advantageous than not sometimes. So, mm. yeah, such a learning process. Oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what would be your top learnings from along the way to any other aspiring business owners who are you know trying to embark on that scale up? And then yeah. also some of the highlights. What have been some of the those pinch me moments along yeah. the way for you? Um, okay, let's start with the highlights. The highlights was um, actually we. We did a recipe book and yes, um, of chocolate, the recipes. We did, yeah, um, a while ago, and um, we had Amber um, assist us with that, which is absolutely brilliant. It was Ice Cookies, and I, I got to launch it at uh, in, in Oxford, in the UK. And to meet Joanne Collins, the author of Chocolate and Exchange, and sign each other's books was pretty special. That is crazy. Um, so that was definitely one of the highlights. I mean, just you know, the following that we've had as a brand. You know, we had Novak Djokovic handing out our cakes at the tennis open. That was amazing. I saw um, that. You just must be like, what is my life? What, but the, the funny, the funny thing was, is was sales manager come in. It's a, it's a real funny story. He comes in one morning and he thought, you know, you know, there's always internal business politics, and he thought the marketing team had not told him that Djokovic had our cakes. So, <laughs> <laughs> he's seen it on TV. He said, oh, so, so Djokovic handed out our cakes. Thanks for letting me know along those lines. Like, <laughs> marketing teams looked at him and said, no, we didn't give it to him. So then we're Googling and it comes up at ESPN. Novak Djokovic, his, his agents ordered their cakes from our store, paid full price for them. Paid for them? Paid for them, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then he's handed them out with full pan of rounding on a global scale. And, and you didn't even know We didn't know about it. it. We had to Google it to find it. <laughs> so, that is absolutely amazing. Um, so, you know, I mean, they're the sort of the highlights. And we've had some massive, I mean, I think Zach Efron um, tried our chocolate in, in, in the Middle East and then tracked us down from LA. So we've had what? some massive, massive followers. That's I think one of our UK reps was in, in, in a store in London. Kate Blanchett was buying pan of chocolate while she was in there. And he said, <laughs> I love the chocolate. She's buying six or seven at a time. So really have that sort of following on a, on a, on a, on a global scale so cool. to think you know where we started off you know seven eight ten years ago whatever it was um it was pre- it's pretty been pretty epic what was the what was the latter what was the other question the best learnings that you would pass learnings. on to um, anyone i think i touched on it earlier i mean not um some great individuals and just being true not putting them in positions they're not qualified because you, you 
tend to burn out people mm-hmm. um, and, and then uh, probably make myself unhappy as well because I'm not getting the results. Um, and then the other one would be backing myself. If I wish I'd back myself a little bit more earlier on the piece, I wouldn't have had to move three or four times. <laughs> it's going to work. It's going to happen. It's just like, okay, you know, and then, you know, we've, I think, got three locations just here in Richmond, which is, again, touch on it, not sensible, but uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> some of the learnings here. Oh, well, that actually leads me really nicely into the next segment, which is called an ATA. And that's yeah. all the, just the stuff that has gotten in the way of you yeah. accessing your joy, like the challenges. And I think backing yourself is such a big one being mm. a self-taught business owner in an industry that you haven't you know got a family history in or that you haven't worked in your whole life what has self-doubt been like for you along the way have you had moments of just like what am I doing can I do this or you know even now day to day when you're making yeah. decisions do you kind of double guess yourself do you have that little voice in your head <laughs> many many voices in my head right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wait, 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 touch on all of them um, <laughs> It, Introduce it, it, me it, to them. It, it, it was so funny, and, and you know, I, I touched earlier on on my parents, and absolutely the most amazing parents. But their thought process is very limiting, almost without meaning it, putting that on onto to myself. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like we can't be whatever we want mentality in a lot of ways. And then, yeah. and it was funny. I, I worked with a coach, and she um, was absolutely brilliant. And it was just, you know, when people come in your life for a short period, then just disappear. Mm. And it's um, a reason, season, or a lifetime. I think, yeah, absolutely. And I, it was, it was it, six weeks, she goes, I want you to be my first case study, pro bono, um, every Tuesday morning, 9am. And I was in Port Melbourne in the office in, in, in Victoria. And uh, it was just something, there was this big, massive roadblock. And, and it was believing in myself. And her, sixth, her last session with me, and, and I was able to identify that I actually didn't believe in myself. And I used to have a mirror behind me on the, on the wall and I wrote believe on that wall and it was geez it was like such an epiphany this this big turning moment within two weeks I was exporting to to Singapore and I had inquiries from Europe and I never had them before so it's just amazing we're like you change your energy it, absolutely and uh yeah massive massive moment you know so. have you found that coaching is something that really helps with that or do you have mentors or do you just have advisors you know yeah. how do you deal with the yeah. self-doubt every part of the journey you always have mentors and advisors and you know it always you need that uh, i believe personally I've, no, I've needed it anyway maybe not i can't speak for everyone else's behalf but even just to hear yourself talk sometimes gives you the right answers yeah. right <laughs> Did I really just say that? Okay, yeah. I know my answer. I'm I can just correct than I that. Yeah. <laughs> or the other way, like, uh, you know. Um, absolutely, and every every stage is critical, yeah, and and depending on what you have, and it's it's important that it's it's a balance between personal development and mm. business development, mm. because sometimes if we really are true to ourselves and understand who we are that can flow through and we can be our true selves within business and then you bring everyone on this beautiful journey with you Mm. so different stages different people and retaining those relationships is is super important as well because sometimes you just need that check-in totally even if they just help you consolidate what you were already kind of on to it's (laughs) It's just a little guidance yeah yeah but i also think you know what you were saying about developing yourself personally that the biggest jumps in my professional life have come after a period of personal development it's not after business development yeah. it's after the bit where you give yourself a little bit of time yeah. Yeah. to be who you are yeah. 18 days in Peru will do it for you <laughs> oh, God, I'll write that down yeah. no, no mobiles no time um, yeah well yeah. that's I mean that's my next question is that yeah. how do you not burn out because yeah. your brain is operating at this incredibly overworked pace all the time with current ideas future ideas current to-do list you've got a family you know it's a really fast-paced world and you, and you have lots of different projects on on yeah. the ball for different times so being mindful and looking after your body and not burning out is like a huge challenge Absolutely. has have you burnt out along the way you know how do you manage that um believe it or not traveling really assisted because mm. uh, it'd be times when you could just be on your own Alone time. Alone time. Because, <laughs> you know, it's, and, and time zones help because, you know, you're not going to get... <laughs> yeah. No one can get... It. Well, now yeah. you're in 25 countries. Yeah. You've wrecked it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, really important to... I, I give myself time, um, you know, and there's some elements that I really connect with and I love. And an open fire is, you know, minimum, you know, once a month, I'll, I'll put on a little fire somewhere and wow. I'll just stare at the fire and swimming water. Um, okay. Those two it's elements really, really nourish me. And I, I don't think I've ever swam 
as much as I have this summer just in, in Victoria alone and you know five six seven eight o'clock at night I'll just go for a swim when, if I can mm. um, and I think that really helps and uh, you know we've got some beautiful waters here here in Victoria um, but yeah fire fire so many lessons that you can learn out of fire have you ever felt guilty about taking breaks like um, struggled with that kind of founder's guilt of you're driving everything so if you're not there yeah. I, I, I can struggle when I sit on the couch. Yeah, okay. I feel like I have to do something. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I'm not providing the family. I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not doing it for myself. It's like absolutely. You yeah. know, I always struggle that I'm allowed to. I've got so many things going, on, but no, I, I just to this day I still struggle with that. Yeah. Um, though sometimes you know you know, you want to put on a a silly comic and a comedy show or something and just be brain dead for an hour. So that guilt is still there. And that it, you know, yeah, like, yeah I should, should I be doing this? <laughs> And what about balancing family? Have you found, you know, I almost think when I had a career that was nine to five, well, not nine to five, it was like eight till midnight. But even even with those hours as a corporate, I almost could switch off more easily because it wasn't my business. So when it was a weekend, I I had no guilt. I was like, I'm out. But, you know, running such a big business and then going home to be a dad and being exhausted at the end of the day, do you find that a difficult balance? (laughs) Definitely a difficult balance. And sometimes... uh, I can manage it better than others yeah. um, because emails still ping, you know, <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night and the, the, the temptation to look at them is there. You learn to switch off, um, but then you go through stages with depending what's going on where you're so heavily involved in it that you can't necessarily switch off. Um, I think the first four years I started Hannah, four or five years, I always worked on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then when the kids were starting to get a little bit older, I thought, no, I can't do that anymore. So I, I haven't worked on a Saturday or Sunday, unless there's a trade show or something they need, but they're so far in between now. Yeah, it's stages. Yeah. To answer that question, <laughs> sometimes better than others, and uh, it can vary. Yeah, <laughs> totally. no, no blanket rule on that. <laughs> so that brings me to the last segment, which is play TA. And this yeah. is my favourite part, because this is where I, you investigate the person that you are that's not identified by your work. And yeah, I think yeah. we really tie up our identities in our output. It's like, I'm productive, I'm achieving, what yeah. am I doing? What am I, you know, am I growing? Am yeah. I doing all these new things? But we often forget to ask if it makes us happy. Are yeah. we fulfilled? Are we getting joy? So if you had no time and no money constraints, is this what you'd be doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably, I'd probably add an element of more, more balance. I, I love building things as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'd play that, bring that more into the fold. And yeah. I've started to do that, actually, to be honest, um, in the last sort of 12 months. But uh, definitely, you know, yeah, I love what I do. I love what I do. And uh, you know, I love what you know, my wife and I have been able to create with our family and mm. our kids. And uh, hopefully we're you know, putting them on a path that you know, they'll be great little humans when they grow up as well. Allows and, uh, them to do yeah. the same. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when you're not doing your work and yep. you're, you know, getting in touch with who you are outside of that, yeah. what do you do? What, <laughs> what does your brain turn to automatically? You know, do you yeah. do anything that's just for fun? Like for the pure joy? I think when you have kids, it feels like it's a lot easier to live in the moment because their needs are really immediate. Yeah. But what do you do for your needs? Do you play yeah. board games? Do you read? Do you do puzzles? <laughs> Um, do you the, just eat the, chocolate? <laughs> the extreme is going away to Peru for 18 days and yeah, sitting nice. in circles in front of campfires. <laughs> what did you do there? Uh, Literally just... Beautiful journey along the Amazon with some local shamans wow. um, and uh, really a lot of reflection. Is that a once yearly kind of thing? Oh, I haven't done it for a couple of years, um, but yeah, as, as frequent as we can, two to three years. But you know, there's a lot of travel time in between, and it's sort of when you have your own personal holidays with the family, it's it, and work, and it's just a balance. Um, I love sitting in circles, um, in teepees, and you know the old-fashioned way, and lots of fires and lots of conversation. Um, really letting go of the ego and really reflecting, sharing. Um, you know, you know, it's great to have the feminine energy there, but it's also great to have a balance with the masculine energy. And I feel that's not what we do enough as groups because we you know we can really let go of our you know our facade and just ask some really deep questions on, on coping and, and all the rest of it and, and mm. share. And that then becomes very rewarding. Mm. I love playing board games. Um, oh. uh, the little boy, my little boy, he's just he's, he's a numbers 
kid and uh, loves his maths and all the rest of it. But we've got this running total. We play backgammon. <laughs> I think we're up to about 2,800 games since the Whoa. start of last year. And we've kept the score. So, you know, he loves it. We, you know, always will bail me up for a couple of games every night. Um, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, it is pretty good. And, uh, you know, each, and then, you know, playing board games or, or doing things individually with the kids is so rewarding. And, you know, I, very paternal um, because I, I grew up in a very happy household. Mm. So I, I've, you know, loved that. I always wanted to have kids from a young age. And uh, so, yeah, just anything that I do, you know, my, my second daughter, she came with me to work yesterday and be able to talk her through it. She was, a, there was a marketing presentation and she sat through it. And, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, just, so to cute. see her, be, her mind ticks over as well, but just to see them interact. And then, you know, and then my oldest daughter, she's just, obsessed with her ballet and um, just to go and watch her she was you know you know school holidays she's 12 years old and you know had a contemporary ballet course the last two days and just her telling me about it just and her how she lights up with it and excitement excites me yeah so you know the commitment there and I, you always question like were we that committed that young which is amazing the you know just the reflection yeah, yeah. kids are so interesting i feel oh. like it brings you so much perspective yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier like you you i feel like without kids you can get caught up and run away in your own head but yeah. if you get home and there's three children waiting <laughs> yeah. there for you you know <laughs> they bring you back to the present moment uh, absolutely. Absolutely. absolutely do you watch tv or do you read books i do actually i do i do watch a bit of tv i, I try to avoid it and you go through times where you watch less and i've got this big flower of life very similar to the one that's behind you um on a cloth that that's i bought back from peru that i cover the tv sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um just so it's, it's not a distraction um yeah, I don't mind, you know, some silly comedies. Yeah, well, what um, do you go to? No, I don't know. <laughs> People might judge me if they haven't already. But <laughs> well, that's what I love. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, hearing about it because yeah. that's where you find uh, out, you know, you know the like, normal bit. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. Um, I, I like Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. Oh, no. <laughs> so good. My kids like it as well, oh, which is so good. wrong in so many ways. Um, no, it's great and, and, it's, and, it's and like I'm, timeless. Yeah, it, it, a bit like that. Um, Probably, I don't know if I'd cut it today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, you know, you know, the hand model and all that, like the funny episodes could potentially give a lot of people complexes <laughs> on how we look. Yeah, true. <laughs> so I don't know if it would cut it in this day and age. And uh, Modern Family is another one that I, I don't mind. Uh, both family. American sitcoms, which is interesting. So, you know, and then, you know, don't mind being inspired by something like Ninja Warrior or something like yeah. that. So, like, <laughs> you know, like, I wish I had, you know, but you know, you can. But, um, you know, yeah, just watching a bit of those. Just um, let your brain not, rest. Not too much more. Um, old classics. Funny enough, my kids love watching Full House, which was enough. Really? Yeah, I just, I, I, I grew up watching that. Yeah, and, oh uh, my gosh. And then, you know, with Netflix, they're obsessed with that sometimes. I can get home and that's what they're watching, which is great. They're not watching... You Some know, of the trash that comes out A lot of the trash days. that comes out. So they're you know, too bad, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like to avoid it. I mean, we live across the road from the water, so oh, it's beautiful. easier to just to get out, take a ball with us, or just go take the dog and walk along the water a dog that's confused because he thinks he's human but yeah, we'll oh, yeah. <laughs> I hear that yeah. my golden retriever's called Paul I mean he literally thinks he's a human being <laughs> he waits literally for me to get out of bed in the morning and he's I don't know how he manages to wiggle his way half under the blankets and his head's oh. on my pillow <laughs> he's the alpha male I'm the only alpha male in the house yeah. <laughs> what about sleep does that play a big role oh, for you in like your performance look, and absolutely to, to me like I, I always say don't bother dieting or looking after yourself food if you don't get enough sleep. Mm. It's medicine. Mm. We really need it. I feel I need it. And I, I love to go to bed when the sun comes down and I love to rise when the sun comes up. Wow. Um, it's really important. So in winter, there's no issue. You'll find me in bed 7.30, 8 o'clock. That's so early. That's amazing. It's just, that's how we're built. Yeah. And I, I really feel that. Yeah. That that's how we should be. We've just managed to, to change our whole dynamic. You know, these... these fake lights that we have going on at home are not 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 healthy they're not they're not it's not normal right so mm. unless you've got some candles it's, it's fine but yeah and then wake up when the sun comes up uh, so i cool. think there's better no better way yeah so you'd get what like eight nine absolutely yeah, eight nine wow. hours yeah it's yeah, funny I, I think people think that when you first start a business because there are a couple of phases in your life where you do get yeah. a little bit less sleep for the sake of like the growth and that you yeah. smash your body and you put it on the line but coming back to it increasingly interviewing people who are incredibly successful and fit a lot into their day it's only by resting it's yeah. literally only by function. taking the time we can't function we're not ourselves yeah you know? and, uh, yeah 
Wow. What so about date night? What do you and your wife do? Do you ever get time without the kids? <laughs> we, 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 more now. Um, we started doing it because the kids were, were young and a little bit more. And we, you know, our second daughter always struggles. Why do you need to go out without <laughs> us? You know, you know, like, you know, it, it's a mix. It's a mix, you know. A month ago, we went down to the Mornington Hot Springs, had the night ourselves, nice. you know, 19 o'clock underneath the stars because the weather was great yeah, in beautiful. the Hot Springs. Um, then we went to our home that was near there and just spent the night together. Um, you know, last Friday night, uh, a group of friends, um, you know, at a hotel having dinner together, you know, so it, it, it balances. Um, you know, hopefully this year we go overseas. My parents are going to be there, so we'll get together on either it's another Greek island for a couple of nights on our own. Oh. So it's, it's, it's a good balance. It's a good balance. Yes. We can obviously always do more on our own. I mean, as the kids now are um, a little bit more independent, it's, it's, it's freeing easier. us up. Yeah. yeah. So second last question to finish up. What are three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation? The real panna. The real panna. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I'm so transparent. Everyone knows everything about me. I don't know. <laughs> There's not too much more that you don't know about me. I don't know. Yeah, like, do you speak Greek? Do you I do speak. I definitely name? speak Greek. Um, I, I went to primary school here, Greek school. So... Um, you know, didn't like it at the time, didn't appreciate it at the time. Uh, I you wish never I, do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? Um, so you definitely could speak uh, fluently Greek. I, um, I don't know, it's a good like question. Allergies, favourite foods, do you have allergies. phobias? It's do you funny, have, like, I, allergies. pet peeves? <laughs> um, allergies, what I, 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 the only thing I can remember is I had hay fever as a kid, but as I've grown older and I've balanced my diet. I was going to say, vegan diet. Vegan diet or the gluten? Ooh. The wheat. Yeah. So I still, still bread's a bit of a vice. <laughs> I was going to say, what are I, your I've had it since Friday. I've done well. I've got four or five days without it. Yeah, I, I think that's that would be the only allergy. But I've managed to wean that out, and I still get hay fever two or three times a year, but nowhere near as where I used to as a, as a kid. I don't know. I don't know. What's not? I don't know if I want to reveal any more anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like my vodka. I don't know. Oh, that's a good <laughs> one. Grey goose. So that's Balance. My and it's funny because again, you know, like you know, I haven't had a. I I think I drank soft drink. The last time I drank soft drink was when I was 23, 24. So we're going to 20 plus years ago. Wow. And it was funny. It was, uh, I met uh, an English guy and uh, he said, what are you drinking you know, scotch with uh, Coke for? And he goes, dilute it with water and then less water, less water. And that's, it got me off it. And it was fantastic. That's the best thing I ever did. So, scotch um, on the rocks. So I haven't had a, yes. Just neat. <laughs> and that's how my vodka does it. Straight out of the bottle. It is. No, not out of the bottle. <laughs> a couple of ice cubes just to cool it down. But, uh, <laughs> You know, that's a, that's a, I don't mind catching up with a couple of friends from now and then and, um, yeah, having a couple of drinks. Nowhere near as much as I used to. What's your favourite panna product? Wow. Jeez. Um, How do you separate your kids, right? I know. Uh, <laughs> look, you know, it, it depends on the time of the day. And, and I, I like my chocolate cold, so I like it oh, chilled. Um, okay. So, yeah, mint. Normally, I can't believe I actually didn't bring any out. I think we had it at the previous meeting. But uh, mint's definitely one. I, I like the new stuff that's coming. I'm really oh. overindulging in that at the moment. I've got to be careful. But, um, yeah. Um, you don't need to be careful. It's healthy chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, normally, uh, I, I quite easily will, will do two bars every day. Um, I think at the moment it's a bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that the coconut oil and every other ingredients that are in it are just, you know, reversing the aging process. <laughs> <laughs> and last question, since I love quotes so much, what's your favourite motivational quote? Oh, it's funny, man. Um, yeah, good question. <laughs> yeah, you go through, again, like anything, you go through phases where you're quoting them all the, all the time. You can have a couple. Uh, uh, yeah, very cliche, but, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. Such a good one. It is, actually. Um, and, and so true. Mm, mm. Amazing. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you so, so good to reconnecting. Much. I and, know, it was uh, wonderful. You know, I hope we continue to, to, to launch more products and uh, maybe even uh, Little something of surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> all right, stay tuned, guys. <laughs> Oh, he is such an interesting human. And if you haven't tasted his chocolate yet, you absolutely must get your hands on some. It is to die for. I left with a handful of boxes, as Panna always insists that I do in the true Greek way, and I won't pretend that I have any left, even though it was only a couple of days ago. (laughs) While Panna Organic has already experienced such great success and growth, especially now with ice cream in the arsenal, I can't wait to see the many things they have in the pipeline. Links to follow along will be in the show notes, of course, and please don't forget, as always, to take a screenshot while you're listening, tagging us both to share your thoughts so we know what you think. I hope you're having an amazing week and are seizing your yay.